Good morning. Today is Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. Yesterday, we had the virtual Israel tour program, and if you missed it, you really missed a great session. It was on Qumran and the Dead Sea Scrolls, and it was very, very well done. And if you did not see it, uh, the recording to it will be in our next email, hopefully later today. I urge you to see it. It was, it's fascinating, and it was very, very well done, and it has a particular relevance to the time in which we find ourselves, which I'd like to discuss with you briefly this morning. So, you may know the story, and, and perhaps you've seen the scrolls themselves. So, uh, 1947, a shepherd in the uh, area of Qumran, which is along the Dead Sea, um, just a little bit north of Masada, uh, close to Engedi, uh, a, a Bedouin shepherd finds seven scrolls, and the scrolls are in these uh, long clay tubes, and they are uh, sealed at the top. So, and they've been in these caves for 2,000 years, and they have uh, survived remarkably intact, given the conditions and given the length of time that they are there. Altogether, more than 800 scrolls or fragments of scrolls have been found and are being studied. Some of them, as you well know, are on display at the Israel Museum in a special building. And that building, by the way, is meant to resemble the, the top, the cap of the uh, tube uh, that was used to seal them. And it's quite a beautiful uh, structure in Jerusalem. And it's a fascinating story, uh, a very controversial story, because there are a lot of different opinions about what it means, who it is, what, what happened exactly. And again, uh, yesterday's tour, virtual tour, was a great introduction to it. It was very well done, and I urge you to see it. So, um, very, very briefly, among all the scrolls that were found, the scrolls fit into roughly three categories. There are parts of Tanakh, the Bible. Let's leave that to the side for a moment. We'll come back to that. There are scrolls of other books that did not make their way into the canonized Bible, but are left outside of that canon. And they are known to us as Svarim Chitzonium, books left out of Tanakh. For example, one of the most famous is Sefer HaMakabim, the Book of the Maccabees, the story of Hanukkah, and others. And then the third subject dealing with these scrolls, because the people who lived there and wrote this were very, very interested in documenting their life in great detail, was uh, there are scrolls with the details of their life. Um, and there's lots of controversy about this part of it in particular. Uh, who were these people? Why were they there? What happened to them? And the dominant view, the mainstream view, and I, I, I'm recognizing that there are alternative uh, theories about this, and I'm not discounting any of them, but the, the mainstream view today is that this is a group of Jews 
known as the Essenes. And they are a group of Jews who were disgusted by life in Yerushalayim. They were disgusted by the corruption of the Kohanim and the Purushim, known as the Pharisees or the Chachabim. They were, they were, they were disgusted by the establishment in Yerushalayim. They felt that they weren't doing things right. There was too much politics. And they wanted to get away from it all. They wanted to live a pure, secluded life with no outside influence where they could practice what they believed was their, in their opinion, correct version of Judaism uh, with purity, unadulterated, without any outside influences. One of the subjects that they wrote a lot about, which again gives us this indication about who they were and against whom they were rebelling in their lifestyle, they were obsessive about the laws of Tumma and Tahara, ritual purity and ritual impurity. And so, uh, for example, they made use of the mikvah and washing um, to a level that could only be called obsessive. Of course, I assume they didn't call it obsessive. They called it necessary. But from an objective point of view, from, from uh, uh, the point of view of normative Jewish law, it was certainly excessive. And they added all sorts of different layers of ritual purity and new practices and new reasons to have to undergo purification and addendums to it. They also practiced much stricter laws concerning the rest of the Torah. They felt that the Chachamim were too lenient in some of the laws. And so they had uh, their laws of Shabbos contain things, and, and I, I confess to you, I'm not sure that I understand exactly how it got practiced in, um, in, in uh, actual life. Uh, one of them was uh, a very great seclusion between men and women. When we come to the point of asking what happened to them, one of the parts of the answer is that they believed in this uh, complete separation of men and women at all times. Also, let's say in Shabbos, laws of Shabbos, they adopted practices on Shabbos that were much more strict because they felt that the Chachamim were too lenient. They were too soft. They were too corrupted. And they weren't observing Shabbos properly. So, for example, just to give you one example, um, it was one of their rules that on Shabbos, a person was not allowed to use the restroom. I don't know how that worked out practically, and I don't know what they did to avoid that uh, situation, but um, okay. Uh, but ultimately, as I think you should be able to see, not with, with, without great difficulty, it was an unsustainable lifestyle, and for a variety of reasons, they did not survive. So, fascinating subject, fascinating group of people. And by the way, they're very well could have been, and we, we have some indication of other groups that left and lived on their own for various reasons, with various alternate philosophies and practices. This is one that we happen to know about through these scrolls. Let's go back to Tanakh. Before 1947, 
when these scrolls were first discovered and came to light, the oldest Bible text in existence was approximately a thousand years old. There's an amazing thing about that oldest Tanakh, that oldest Bible, is that that Torah is exactly identical to every single Torah in every shul, in every home, all around the world today, 2020. So we have an unbroken chain of knowing the accuracy of the Torah text going back 1,000 years for sure. I'm not leaving out what you believe just in terms of what is visible to the naked eye, 1,000 years. But now, with the Qumran scrolls, we now have texts of Tanakh, Torah, Nevi'im, Ksuvim, that go back 2,000 years, over 2,000 years, perhaps 2,100, perhaps even 2,200 years old. And here's the kicker, exact same text. Not only that, but what is really um, uh, gripping is that when you look at these uh, scrolls, you see the same words in the same letters that we recognize, the same spelling, you see it. And that's now back over 2,000 years old, again, asserting the authenticity of the Torah text that we have now back over 2,000 years. Now, I don't know if this tour was scheduled on purpose for the week before Shavuos. But there is a crucial connection between the Dead Sea Scrolls and Shavuos, and that's what I'd like to share with you very briefly. We refer to Shavuos as the holiday of Matan Torah. The Jewish people had traveled from Egypt. They reached the Mount Sinai in the Sinai Desert. They encamped around the mountain. And on Shavuos, God appeared at the top of the mountain and God spoke to the Jewish people. And we describe that encounter as Matan Torah. We refer to the theological principle that comes from that as Torah Misinai. Our Torah comes from Sinai. So there are two parts to that. The first part is Shavuos is an expression, is an experience of the contact and intimacy with God, the closest contact and intimacy with God that had ever happened with a group of people and will ever happen with a group of people. That is one of our fundamental beliefs. The way that God spoke to the entire Jewish people the way that when you speak, I am listening to you, that intimacy, that connection, that moment of binding, that is the first theological aspect of what we celebrate on Shavuos. And that was unique in all of history. But the second part is that that day, that experience of God meeting the Jewish people at Mount Sinai, that starts the process of God giving us the written Torah, the five books of Moses, written 
dictated by God to Moshe, written down by Moshe with no human intervention on his part, simply Moshe writing down the word of God, giving us the Taryag Mitzvos, 613 commandments. So, it is important to note, when we refer to Torah Misenai, we do not mean to say that the entire five books of Moses were handed to the Jewish people on that day of Shavuos. And we do not mean to say that all 613 commandments were revealed to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai on that day of Shavuos. According to the Talmud, what we do mean is that day, excuse me, that day started a process that extended over the next 40 years. So that by the day that Moshe had died, the five books of Moshe, the Chumash, the five books of Moshe had been completed, written by God, dictated by God to Moshe, M Moshe writing down the words that God had said. That was completed by the end of this process. And the 613 biblical commandments had been given and commanded to the Jewish people. Of course, there are later rabbinic laws, there's later commentary, the process of unfolding the Torah and learning the Torah continues up until our day and going forward, and we celebrate the ongoing learning of Torah on Shavuos. So I want to make it clear, the Qumran scrolls are not a proof of this. They're only 2,000 years old. But they are certainly a support that the Torah that we have is precisely the same Torah given by God to the Jewish people, written down by Moshe over the course of 40 years, the process that began on Shavuos. And the reason that that's so important is because that is the bedrock of our belief that the words of the Torah that we have come from God. And that means the words of the Torah, the mitzvot of the Torah, are binding on all Jews for all times and will have meanings beyond what any human being can comprehend because they come directly from God. That's the theological significance of Shavuos. And I really think that reviewing the material of the Qumran scrolls is a wonderful support for that and a wonderful introduction to appreciating the Zman Matan Torosenu, the time of the giving of our Torah. My friends, I wish you all a great day.